0: Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture Podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I'm joined with my
1: co-host, David Pinkham. How you doing, man? It's good to see you.
0: I am tired.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what you tired of? Being tired? (laughs) Yeah, I am tired of being tired. (laughs) Dude, I, I hear that. So is it ministry or kids both? What?
0: Uh... I got back from the etch conference last week in Nashville, which was a phenomenal conference. Those of you listening, if you're, I know I've met some, some of our listeners there. I got to hang out with them a little bit. Oh, cool. Um, but for those of you listening, if you've never been to etch, uh, conference in Nashville, uh, highly recommend it uh, to me. It's to me. And again, this is my opinion. Okay. But my opinion matters to me. Uh, it, it is probably the best, uh, family ministry conference i've ever been to so where do they get the name etch it stands for something i forget man my brain's not working this morning <laughs> this morning it stand it does stand for something so it's I an acronym it is. it is an acronym okay, i forget
1: what gotcha. it is um that's a very baptist
0: thing to do oh absolutely you, got, you can't do it without being a baptist uh but yes yeah, so that that was awesome a little tired uh I, when i got back i, I uh i was on the edge of getting the science affection, uh, a little oh. bit. So I had, I had the cruds, I had to preach on Sunday with a little bit of the cruds. Uh, and I think through that, I was dealing with a little bit of insomnia. Mm. Um, the last two nights, well, last night was great. I slept great last night but mm. then two nights before then I was bad. Um, so today I'm doing a little bit better, still a little tired, but I'm a little bit more restful than I have been the last couple, few days. That's good. Um, I just hey. living the dream, man. Living um, the dream.
1: So, before we get into the interview today, I do have a, a bit of a question. So, looking at the year of ministry you've had so far, once the school year got started and kind of like your fall programming and stuff got kicked off, what's been the general mood in ministry this semester so far? Uh, general mood, uh, it could be you and your leaders could be from the kids, could the church, the community, like,
0: well, just, 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 um, I think it's more from, from church leadership and down to even some, those who, uh, serve regularly and know the value of, uh, being plugged in and serving in the local church and serving Mm -hmm. people and loving on people. I think one of the, one of the biggest things that you, you were feeling a little bit, and again, this may be, most churches right now probably can say the same as a little bit of frustration the fact that that nobody wants to be active in the church and what yeah. I mean by active is is man, just just serving, pouring on people, loving people uh we're seeing uh more of a consumeristic butt and seat let's mm. warm it and then let's leave type of mindset uh and, and again. Man, Like I said, it's across the board. Um, Most churches are feeling this. A lot of churches are. Some churches are not as much, um, but we are definitely feeling that a little bit and working to try to change culture, uh, church culture. Um, Even for me, I'm having a hard time finding men uh, willing to serve in my ministry Mm -hmm. and pour into younger men. Uh, that, that's probably my biggest issue. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to do a big announcement on stage saying I, I need uh small group
1: leaders. That's how you and get in. creepers.
0: Yeah. That's how you get, <laughs> that's how you get interesting people for sure. <laughs> and so my, mine is, 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 as I have to very, be very intentional who will ask. And those mm. who are, who have asked, uh, have been very intentional so far I've been saying no, uh, which is okay. But the thing is they are no, they're not willing to serve anywhere else, dude. That could uh, be a whole podcast
1: episode. Is learning the art of saying no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. In fact, we definitely need to do a podcast on how to say no.
1: Yeah, and then the next one should be how to say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the third one, maybe. No, I'm kidding. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, we've had a there, there's been some similarity there, but I think um our there's been some excitement in ours, and I think part of that's because we're finally um after 3 years of doing nothing we our church does good news club in 4 of our elementary schools in our county and it's basically like a short bible club before school starts one day a week and we just started that a week or 2 ago and there's a buzz of excitement because we although it's not about butts and seats we do want to tell the gospel to as many kids as who will listen and from the reports i've been hearing more kids are showing up now than pre covid so they're hungry and we're ready to feed them. (laughs) So it's been, it's been pretty exciting to see how the Lord has allowed our church to partner with the local schools and to help, um, not just help be like a good, uh, good neighbor and help with stuff, but like speaking gospel truth on campus has been, that's pretty cool. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, kind of
0: brings into our interview today we're actually going to be this is interview that we're ha- uh, releasing today is actually with uh john cooper uh this interview was done um a while back uh released on a different podcast uh and for some reason never never really we never released it here but we decided to go ahead and release it here on this podcast but uh but it's a conversation that we had with that i have with john specifically on uh, biblical worldview uh, mm. why that's important um, and, and again this this podcast is gonna be a little bit different it's gonna be geared not just for youth pastors but but for anybody in general when we have this the conversation of, of why biblical worldview is important well guys, stay tuned for this week's episode. Well, guys, I am super excited uh, to have an opportunity to talk to John Cooper from Skillet. Now, John, I've had an opportunity to talk to you uh, to you on another podcast that I interviewed you with, so I'm really excited to have an opportunity to have a conversation uh, with you again. But just in case there is there's people out there who maybe don't know who you are. Uh, how about you introduce yourself a little bit, your your, um, your journey with Skillet and what you're doing
2: today? Sure, sure. If there if there are some uh, pagans out there, certainly unsaved ones that don't know who Skillet is, <laughs> uh, I, I gotta gotta educate you. I gotta bring you in. No, I'm just joking. So my name's John Cooper. I am the singer for a, a Christian rock band called Skillet. And uh, let's see, I also have a podcast that I do called Cooper Stuff Podcast, and uh, and I wrote a book recently, which is which we've already chatted about. And so my journey with Skillet, the quick version is this. I gave my life to Christ when I was a kid. My parents were Christians. My mom was a fanatical follower of Jesus, and, uh, and I say that, and I mean it 100% positively, Fanatical Jesus follower. And my mom taught me about the Bible ever since I was a kid. And so I grew up wanting to evangelize and and tell people about this great God. And this, uh, I mean, uh, this great God that changes lives, saves lives, offers salvation, offers a brand new life. And I wanted to do that through music because I love music. Uh, My mom was a piano teacher and a voice teacher. So I grew up around music. And I always believed that it was just a fantastic way to to share what you believe in for the world. That's your megaphone to the world. And I thought, what a, I can't think of a better way to tell the world about Christ than to do it through music. So skillet has been going for 23 years. We have 10 records out. My my wife, Corey is also in the band. So me and my wife have been doing it on the road for, like I say, 23 years. We've been married on the road the whole time until COVID (laughs) and uh, I've got two kids. I have an 18 year old daughter. 15-year-old son, uh, thankfully both saved and living for Christ, which is the best, biggest blessing in my whole life. That's me in a nutshell.
0: Well, what I wanted to talk to you about today uh, was about looking at culture from a biblical perspective and why that's important. So uh, can you give us, uh, explain why is approaching culture with a biblical lens, why is that so important?
2: Well, it is, it is very important because I think that a lot, especially young people, I would even say, millennial, I would say millennials in general, um, obviously Generation X too, but I would say millennial generation, things v- begin to change quite a lot. The internet, of course, the, the, uh, just the, u- the ubiquitous amount of, of, of information. Uh, um, I, I should say the, the ubiquitous nature of the internet, the way that it just opened up the entire world. I think millennials—they uh, were raised with this, uh, this—you know—window uh, into the galaxies of every thought and every th- every single ideology and thought and imagination out there. And so, I think without a proper worldview, a biblical worldview, I should say, without that foundation, I think what we've seen happen in a lot of ways is that a lot of Christians thought that they could just have a neutral worldview. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to be neutral, and I'm just going to kind of like live my life and see what happens. But that is a myth. It's the myth of neutrality, it's called sometimes. And you are going to see the world through some sort of lens. It will either be Christ, or it will be something that is anti-Christ, because everything that is not Christ or under submission to the lordship of Christ and his word, of course— is going to be um, against the word of God. It is going to be anti-biblical. So I think it's really important that we train up young people to understand what the biblical worldview is, and everything that you see then will be. What you will look through the lens of Scripture. And what happens when we don't is that we have like a little bit of Scripture and a little bit of Charles Darwin and a little bit of fill in the blank and a little bit of social justice and a little bit of this. And by the time you know it, all of a sudden Christianity is a, is very much a hodgepodge. And every Christian you meet has their own like version, almost like their own version of Christianity, uh, which is a whole nother subject. We, we don't believe that there <laughs> are versions of Christianity, but I hope, I hope that, that that point makes sense.
0: No, I, I absolutely. And, uh, and um and again, we've discussed this before, uh, just you and me. But uh, I, when you look at culture, you look at specifically American Christianity. Uh, in the last ten years, I uh, and really, it's been exposed during uh, the last, in my opinion, the last five uh, of Christians coming out of the woodwork. Christian leaders who who were used to believe. One way biblical truth, one way, and now they're coming out believing something totally opposite than what they once stated. And again, there, there was a great uh, author of a book. Um, again, it's lost my mind uh, right now. Um, Kid, Kissing, dating goodbye. Uh, who who wrote that book? And was and it was one of my favorite books in college. And all of a sudden, he's out of the woodwork, saying, he's announcing his faith, uh, divorced his, his wife. Uh, then you have leader after leader after leader um, who's walking away from the faith and walking away from biblical truth that is kind of confusing uh christians confusing christians we all followed these people and and john i don't don't know if you can speak into this but I, i i think some of the confusion that we're having and the it's because christians are being led astray and some way from because of all these leaders that are walking away from their faith.
2: I think that's, that's fair. Um, and, and I think that's the danger of it. I think that's what is m- for me personally, the the most upsetting. I mean, people are, people are going to make decisions and you can't, you know, you can't make decisions for other people. They're going to walk away from the faith. They're going to walk away. Some pastors are going to walk away. Some Public figures, influencers, this and the other. and that's depressing. maybe depressing is too hard of a word, but it's it's saddening, let's say. And it's a problem. What's really scary is the amount of people that are following them over. And some of this, I wonder, I've of I've got an opinion on it. I don't know if it's true or not, <laughs> but I'll say it anyway. Some of this is because I believe that because we didn't build the foundation very well, we took for granted certain things. Let me let me give you an example of what I mean. Let's say 50 years ago, um, if you were raised in America, you you had the benefit of being raised in a in a country who generally uh, believed in a Christian worldview, right? So I don't mean that everyone was Christian, but the worldview was sort of based on Christianity, Christ, uh, Judeo-Christian values. That's what you know, um, you know, our founding documents and this that, and the other. So 50 years ago, you can have an atheist that had a more solid Christian worldview, not that he's saved, but the way he saw the world was more through a lens of a Christian worldview, whether he knew it or not. In other words, 50 years ago, a lot of atheists or agnostics still believed that human beings matter. That's a good way to say it, right? Mm -hmm. So in other words, they would be like, yeah, I don't believe in God, but I believe that I matter. Well, if you follow that worldview all the way down, out, if you're an atheist, then you have no reason to actually believe that your life matters. There, there's nothing inherently value about who you are. If, this, if you're just a cosmic, I don't want to say mistake, but you are just happened. you know, it's a, in a multiverse of a billion infinity universes, there happened to be life here. And through survival of the fittest and through this and that and the other, you just happen to exist. Well, then why do you actually matter? Fifty years ago, many agnostics and even atheists believed that their lives matter and that they should they should like live according to certain kinds of laws. Well, that's because we've been raised in a country that was so founded upon a Christian worldview that they took those things for granted. And I know I'm kind of ran, I'm, I'm I'm rambling a little bit here, but the point is is that now today you have many people confessing to be followers of Christ with less of a Christian worldview. They don't know why they matter. They they believe that they matter just because they're told how awesome they are every day by culture. Like, I'm awesome. I'm legendary. I can do anything. But they don't know why they matter, that they were created in the image of God. And so there's no foundation there. And and they, we just took it for granted. And then once 2010 happened, 2012, and that postmodern worldview began to just seep into every aspect of life. And that you can have your truth and I can have my truth. And whatever you feel is right for you is probably right. That seeped into the church and people who did not build a foundation upon, um, upon the word of God found themselves just shipwrecked. I mean, just found themselves thrown around, you know? So uh, I do think that, that encouraging people to go back to, to what the Bible says about the way God created the world, how he wants his world to run how, uh, you know, when I say run, meaning, you know, (laughs) how his design, and if we fit in to his design, we will find ourselves thriving. But when we, when we wrestle against his design, we will find ourselves in chaos. And that's where we're at now.
0: Now, would you, because I, I feel, I have an opinion with this question as well, but I want to just throw it at you and see what your opinion is on this. Uh, would you consider, or would you or do you believe that, uh, a way Christianity, specifically American Christianity, when it comes to caving to a cultural, uh, ungodly worldview, <clears throat> um, do you believe that's a contributive factor to the lack of true discipleship that's in our culture, our, our church culture here in America?
2: Yeah, I do. Uh, we, we probably have a similar take on this, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, discipleship. You can't have discipleship. Um, I, no, let, let me rewind. Let me rewind. Because <laughs> you can be discipled into anything. You can be discipled into being a, a Satanist or a follower of the devil. True Christian discipleship is supposed to happen by speaking truth. And if you're not going to speak truth, then again, uh, it's the myth of neutrality. You're not just going to end up like in the middle, like liking some parts of this and some parts of this you will end up being in a place where you are not a disciple of Christ. And so I definitely think, I think around the early 2000s, if I can look back in time and give up my little, my two cents of analysis of what happened with culture. Early 2000s was the first time I, I remember having so many Christians. I was, you know, touring. I was in a Christian band. I was touring around. I would meet Christian artists or Christian speakers. You kind of get a sense when you're doing, um, Christian events, you kind of get a sense of like, who's cool and who's not, you know, like who's in this year, who's saying the new cool, trendy stuff, 2001, two, three, the new trendy stuff was, we got to be relevant. You remember that? You have to be oh, yeah. relevant to the world. Mm-hmm. It was constantly salt and light, salt and light. And, um, the truth is, is that we never really taught what being salt actually was or what being light actually was. We just kind of had a sense that we needed to be in the world and just being there and saying that you love God was enough. So yeah, I think that we decided being relevant meant not tackling hard subjects, you know, of of lordship, sexuality, pornography, uh, uh sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman, gender, all, all the things <laughs> all the things that we see now that the church is not taking positions on we thought that we we would not take those positions because it made us not relevant to the world. And, and the world needs to know that we love them. So we just got quiet about everything that kind of matters. And so in my view, what kind of happened is that an entire generation, I mean, think about it, people that were born in 2000 are now 20 or 21 years old, right? The, a whole generation was raised in a church where it's just not that nice to talk about some of those things. You make people feel bad. You give them the sads. You know, (laughs) it gives them the sads to make a stance on this or this. this. Let's just talk about Jesus. And so I think, again, it's the myth of neutrality that you can love Jesus, but not take a stance on the things that Jesus says that he rejects, you know? So now we have a generation of people that are like, "I I totally love Jesus, but their lives don't fall in line with the actual words of Jesus. So somehow young people have created a new Jesus that is separated from the law of God. Is separated from the moral law of the Old Testament, certainly, and it's all he's also separated from what I would call the hard words of Christ in the New Testament. It's a Jesus that is solely nice and tells the woman in adultery that he doesn't condemn her to go and sin no more, and the Jesus that says, Turn the other cheek, and the Jesus that says, Pray for your enemies, all of which are a part of who Christ is, obviously, but it is not a Jesus that says if your eye causes you to sin, it'd be better to pluck it out than to be thrown into hell. Does that make, does that answer?
0: Oh, absolutely. And 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 one thing that, um, when it comes specifically from discipleship that I always believed, uh, but more or less was confirmed in uh, a book that I'm reading right now, uh, is basically that churches are very good, the average church in America, specifically in the South, because that's where a lot of my experience is based off of, Uh, Is uh, what church life in in a Southern uh, perspective, but we're very good at evangelizing, giving a gospel message, uh, invitation come forward. And, but there's not, we're not good at the next step in the discipleship journey, having a discipleship pathway. And again, I always believe that because I'm seeing it and experienced it uh, in some ways in my own life uh and i grew up in a great church i was a pastor's kid grew up in a great church and loved my youth pastor to death uh but there wasn't discipleship uh for me the person who was discipleship uh discipling me it was actually my, my parents which it should be that should be the number one discipler is in the yeah. home but as far as in a church perspective there wasn't really discipleship um for me personally and i had to learn and be discipled uh uh, basically, when I was in college, is the main t- main point of mm-hmm. my life where I was really truly being discipled. Uh, yeah. So I think th- I think there's a gap in in people's understanding of disciple making is sharing the gospel, the Great Commission, but and making disciples, actually living life together. It, they're both the same. You don't separate the two. And I think in American culture for the last good night, probably thirty or forty probably 50 years, we've separated those two, and we just have so much concentration on sharing the gospel, which is important, that we've neglected actually disciple them after they made a decision for Christ.
2: Wow. Yeah, I, I, I very much agree with that. And my, I would say my testimony is a little similar in which, raised in a, in, in a big southern church, Fantastic at evangelism, <laughs> fantastic at evangelism, um but there certainly wasn't that hands on discipleship process, you know, like learning from someone, and there there wasn't a real massive i would say um imperative even to the family to do that, which you kind of touched on, which I think is really important. that's something I think the Puritans did really well. The Puritans very much believed in that government began in the home, you know, that it was up to the fathers and the mothers to train their kids. And I think I, I very much love that about the Puritans, but we we mainly focus on evangelism. And so I, I would agree with you on multiple levels and I and I would just add to it. Maybe I don't want to get into a big theological discussion because I'm not really probably capable of doing so, but you know, salvation. Well, let me just say this. Hmm. What do I want to say? What do I not want to say? some of that i will say that i'm not dogging on the the big evangelism movement okay i'm not dogging on it at all because i actually love it i'm a very big massive billy graham fan actually someone that i very much admire but one of the things from from those massive crusades did kind of come if if there was a bad side about it which i'm not trying to dog it because i'm not saying there is but if there was something we could have done better at let's say in, in hindsight it's making salvation all about a one-time experience. But when you read the Bible, you find out that, that, you know, there are conversion experiences, but salvation is also a process. It is a Mm -hmm. process of you are, you are saved or being saved and you will be saved. You know what I mean? And I know we're getting into theology, but it's the same with sanctification. The sanctification becoming more holy, um, in a process is part of the salvation work. And what I do think you get is a lot of people that, that really do believe they do have that moment. I know I'm going, I'm going off on a tangent, but I guess what I'm saying is, is that discipleship is so important. And if we only focus on that one initial quote conversion experience, then I think what you get are a lot of people that uh, remain babies they remain mm-hmm. babies for the rest of their lives because they don't understand what sanctification is and they don't understand what holiness is. So I do think we should, we should do more work on discipleship Should do more focused work on personal holiness. Uh, I, you know, I know it's not very popular to say these days, mm-hmm. but again, I mean, the Puritans really laid it out that the, the Puritans wanted to make a life uh, to make everything around them. Holy. And and I, I just think that that's beautiful and and so like you when I went to college is when I met a pastor in college that was like John I believe that you love God but your life doesn't look like it <laughs> and I was like what he's like you don't know that you're a hypocrite but I can teach you how to live for Christ and I I was like man this this guy is bold what does he mean I'm a hypocrite I'm that hypocrite but I didn't know that I wasn't living for God and so every week we would get together and he would give me Bible studies and we'd talk about what they meant. And he taught me, John, you should pray and, and you should make that holy. But John, you should also pay your bills and you should make that holy. That was a life-changing experience of mine. And I've tried to put that into work in my life. So what
0: advice would you give when it comes to approaching culture biblically?
2: Okay. Here's how I would approach culture biblically is instead of going to other things that, that the world has to offer okay whether that is science or whether that is secular economics or or politics these days a lot of people are going straight to politics to, to understand to, to know what side they want to be on and then they try to shove the politics into their theology and they end up getting off on a weird tangent I would suggest to people to go to the Bible first the Bible has, a- anything you want to know about life, the answer will be found in the word of God. I and mean, it is that amazing. So whether it is, what am I supposed to do about politics? That's found in the word of God. Uh, what about nature? What about the the way that God says his world should work? What about, as you said, the hard issues, the issues of the day of of gender, sexuality, or um, how the the home should work, and parenting, and discipleship? All of these things will be found in the word of God. So what I want to encourage people to, to do, and the reason I say it again is because most of the people that I know are going to the world to find out what the world says about all of these things. And they're trying to hodgepodge their Christianity with it. I would suggest a, a, what, what in apologetics is called a presuppositional worldview. It presupposes that you can't understand anything truly a uh, uh, knowledge about the world without understanding it through what the bible says that doesn't mean that you can't know that two plus two equals four but it means you won't be, be able to understand why two plus two equals four what is the purpose of that what is the intention of that so to understand what the bible says about his world and the way it should run holiness how we should live and then you begin to to look at, at the things of the world I, I think the politics is the biggest thing really messing with people's heads right now. Certainly the social justice movement is a part of that, but it's, it's very all infused with politics. And so I think that people want to be on the quote right side of politics these mm-hmm. days. And so they go, well, that, that actually sounds kind of good, but then they miss all these other things that the Bible says about the way that, that we should live. So I hope that's an encouragement to people.
0: So I, of course you just wrote a new book called Awaken Alive to Truth, which is a phenomenal book. But how can people get connected with you and your new book you just written?
2: Well, that's so very kind. I have not literally had anybody say it was phenomenal. So that's very nice. I don't know if that's true, but I appreciate it. Um, The book is called Awaken Alive to Truth. The only place you can buy the book is my website, and that is johnlcooper.com. So go to johnlcooper.com, slash awake if you want to go straight to the book and you want to see all the rest of my website but a good way to connect with me if you want i do a podcast once a week and it's called the cooper stuff podcast you can go to youtube cooper stuff um itunes or apple podcast spotify what have you facebook and uh, just to give people an idea of what it's about my podcast is about culture it's about what is happening right now that is really throwing people off and some of that's philosophy, some of it's political philosophy or critical race theory, or this week I just talked about identity politics and, and, and meaning who am I? If, if you're in Christ, you're a brand new creation. You're not all these other things. The world says that you are, uh, you are a follower of Christ brand new and these, those are really important topics for today. So as far as the book goes, Um, the book I think is a very simple theology book really and it presents two ways to find truth in 2021 you can either uh, try to find truth in yourself and it will lead to death or you can find truth in the word of God and it, it and it leads to life so it's good for I found that it's good for young people it's good for people that don't think they can sit through a John Calvin book <laughs> on theology or, or whoever, you know, Piper, and they're like, I, my head's going to explode. Well, your head will not explode reading my book. I call it theology for dummies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a phenomenal book. Uh, well, John, I just want to thank you for taking your time to come out of the podcast today.
2: I sure love being with you again. Thank you, brother.
0: And that was an awesome conversation with John. I absolutely love John Cooper and talking with him. He's just such a down-to-earth type of guy. Um, of course, me being a Skillet fan. Uh, fan loves. Boy. Yes, I was, Yeah, a little bit there. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a fanboy. But uh, me having a conversation with him, just seeing how, and again, this sounds weird when I say it, normal. <laughs> uh, he is in, in conversation. Uh, it is awesome. Um, I love him to death. He just—he's just a great guy. Has a great heart for people, uh, great heart for Jesus, and seeing people come to Christ. Uh, I just utterly really enjoy having conversations with him.
1: Yeah, I think he displays uh, what I would call a a healthy and admirable level of curiosity with humility. Um, uh, one of the things, even from our first interview with him, just his willingness to go find the answer. Yeah, uh, and and find it from scripture and the truth, and and then figure out how to translate that to uh, speaking to culture, uh, because uh, you uh, you guys know as well as we do, uh, everybody's got an opinion about something, and mm-hmm. uh, what do they say? Uh, opinions are like, what is it? Opinions are like poop. Everybody does it, and most of them stink, or something like that. <laughs> There's some truth to that. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully that was beneficial for you guys. And we do appreciate you um, on that note. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening to us today. Um, it's, it's a joy to do this. And uh, if you haven't yet, we would love uh, to ask you to uh, leave a comment or a star review. Uh, that, that keeps us uh, in the search results near the top. If people are looking for solid youth ministry content, um, shout out to uh, Slovenia and Slovakia because we've been charting for two weeks there. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Which is the most random thing. Um, but if you do comment and leave uh, reviews for us, that, that one, that lets us know how we're doing, but it also will help other people find some good youth ministry content because uh, we've had some some good interviews with some, some people that are keeping their thumb on the pulse of culture and, and how we can address that biblically. And if there is a topic that you'd like to uh, hear about or something you want us to rehash, on the podcast, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us through the Facebook page, Youth and Culture, or you can go to our Facebook group, the Youth, youth and Culture Facebook group. We're also on Instagram. Uh, I think we stream this podcast on like, what, uh, 10 different uh, podcast platforms. So we're pretty easy to find and um, and share it with you know guys that you know that are just now stepping into youth ministry or people that have been doing youth ministry for 30 years. Uh, If you do know somebody that's been doing youth ministry for 30 years, uh, let us know who they are and how we can get in touch with them so we can interview them on how they're still sane. Uh, (laughs) But uh, we, we would love to connect with you guys.
0: Well, guys, stay tuned for next week's episode.